Welcome to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. This is episode 17. Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Today we're going to be talking about sleep apnea. And like always, if you want today's show notes, please go to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP017. Again, if you want today's show note on sleep apnea, please go to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP017. And today we're going to be talking about sleep apnea. I'm going to go over signs and symptoms that you may be dealing with sleep apnea and some treatment options uh, that can help. I know a lot of us know about one of the main ones, but we're going to talk about some others in, in that standpoint. And I'm also going to talk about why is sleep apnea so important to treat. Like it does not have only to do with your sleep. There's so many things that can become a problem if we don't treat the sleep apnea. So stay tuned for another great episode. Um, today we're going to be talking about sleep apnea, uh, something that I deal, especially in my practice, quite often, just be, for the amount of patients who either you know have a lot of symptoms that um, are really pointing to sleep apnea, but don't even really know it, and ones who already come in been diagnosed, uh, kind of first and foremost. So what I wanted to do is kind of go through uh, some symptoms that you know you may be experiencing. Hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, we're talking about sleep apnea today. Um, I want to go through uh, five, you know, things to look for for you know your patients, for you know someone who may be dealing with sleep apnea, especially um, if a lot of you haven't been diagnosed like officially, officially, and uh, you know kind of what to do next, and you know why you know treating sleep apnea is so important. Um, so number one, we're gonna talk about sleep apnea. What is some uh, number one sign and symptom? Uh, snoring. So snoring is, and we're not talking about you know just kind of regular snoring, like very loud, excessive snoring to the point where you know you 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 affect people down in a different room to the point where your partner has to kind of sleep in a different bed. And I do have a lot of patients and families who kind of have that kind of arrangement because one partner sleeps so loud. I mean, snores so loud that if they don't fall asleep before them. They can't fall asleep, so they end up either uh, going to sleep in a different room or the separate beds. But uh, snoring is a very, very common uh, sign and you know risk factor for sleep apnea. So anytime you take any sleep apnea test, that's one of the questions we always ask. Like you know, how much snoring do you do? Uh, number two, uh, first and foremost, um, yep, sleep studies. Yep, exactly. Sleep studies are our def- definitive tests for uh, diagnosing sleep apnea. Um, and there's a there's a couple I actually talk about it at the end, but there's a couple ways to do it. Um, I think we know of the official one where we kind of go to a different lab and you know have all these things kind of connected to us. Um, but there, uh, you know, it's getting better where we're actually having home sleep studies as well uh, to kind of diagnose sleep apnea right and foremost. So number one, we talked about snoring being a big risk factor for uh, sleep apnea. Number two is um, if you ever notice you wake waking up uh, very fatigued. Like uh, you had, you know, a quote unquote great night's sleep. You're in your bed for eight hours, but you're waking up and you're still like fatigued and not really, uh, you know, not really having energy. 
um, you know, to kind of go about your day. That's also a risk factor as well for um, sleep apnea. So a lot of daytime excessive fatigue is another sign of symptom that we, we get worried about. And um, number three, uh, for people who, you know, especially if you have a partner who can actually watch you, um, if you've ever had any episodes where like you've stopped breathing, where you, you look at your partner and you, you know, that, you know, nothing's happening. And then after a couple seconds, their body kind of jerks themselves and then kind of, you know, kind of wakes them up. And then they take a, like a dig, uh, like a big gasping breath. And then they kind of go right back to sleep. A lot of times these people never actually fully wake up. It's that their body just says like, hey, you know what? This person has, you know, has stopped breathing for like 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Like wake them up for a second just so they can, you know, take a deep breath in, kind of exhale out and then they go right back to sleep. So if you've ever noticed, you know, any of your family members or even if someone's told you yourself uh, that they witnessed that you stopped breathing, that's a a big sign um, and a big risk factor for, you know, being sleep apnea. Um, Number four. Uh, we t- again, um, number four, we talked about um, if you ever noticed any signs of like where you are like choking while you were sleeping, choking, gasping for air, like during sleep, you may not do that, that full deep, you know, that deep uh, breathing or you may not like fully stop breathing like some people do with sleep apnea. But uh, if you witness like a person <coughs> kind of choking um, or kind of feeling like they're having to grasp for air while they're sleeping when they should be, you know, as comfortable as to be, that's also a risk factor as well for sleep apnea. So those are um, you know, that's another risk factor that I get really concerned about, you know, when a patient tells me, um, you know, that, you know, they witnessed their, their husband and wife, you know, brothers, somebody, um, you know, chokes during their sleep. So that's definitely, a, you know, that kind of, you know, puts a, a light bulb in my head sink. Like, you know, I really think this person uh, may be having sleep apnea. Uh, number five, uh, a, a very common thing is like very uh, common morning headaches. Like every single morning they're waking up uh, with a headache. Um, that's also, it's, it's not a huge risk factor because, you know, morning headaches could be, you know, a few things. Uh, but um, morning headaches is a big uh, thing that I, I like to think about um, if a patient tells me like, you know, every morning I'm waking up with a headache. And reason being is that. When your body, especially with sleep apnea, sleep apnea is pretty much your body going through periods of time where you have kind of no oxygen in your system. So it's no oxygen's kind of getting to the brain. And this happens repeatedly over and over and over throughout the night. So if you have some patients when, uh, especially as severe uh, apneic patients, they go through, you know, minutes, hours, you know, at throughout the, an eight hour period where their, their oxygen levels aren't sufficient to kind of keep up with demand. So when you wake up in the morning, a lot of times you end up getting um, sleep apneic and, hey Jackie, how are you doing? Thank you for sharing. Um, you end up getting uh, headaches when you wake up in the morning. So uh, so let's go through the first five that we talked about. Um, and there, there's a few more, but like these are five I like to ask, especially when I'm concerned about sleep apneic. Uh, one, like, are you like a really bad snore? Again, not just like a regular snoring. I'm talking about one that kind of clears the room, one that people hear you across, you know, two, three different rooms, one where your partner has to like either sleep in a different bed or, uh, you know, s- s- go to sleep before you or they can't go to sleep. You know, that type of snoring. Are you that? So that's number one. Um, number two, are you the type that will stop breathing? Uh, in in the middle of the night, like you'll you'll see their, you'll see your family member, you see your partner, and they'll just stop breathing for like ten seconds, and then do like a like a big gasp in air. That's another um, uh, a risk factor for uh, sleep apnea. Uh, number three, we talked about um, the choking sensation where you have this choking sensation where you're uh, even though you may not have those periods where you stop breathing, but you're having the sensation where like, 
like you're, you're, you're trying to catch a breath throughout the night. Um, and sometimes it's, it depends on the position, especially if I have a lot of people who like to lay on their back. Um, they end up, they, they really experience that symptom a lot more than most people who don't. Um, number four, we talked about, you know, you waking up, you had eight hours of good sleep. And then you're still fatigued. You're still tired throughout the day. You're still having, you're, you're, sometimes you, you're even like falling asleep almost at the wheel uh, because you're so tired. Even though you had a good night's sleep, there's no excuse for you to be tired, but you're still waking up tired. That's a risk factor as well for sleep apnea. So that's something I like to, um, you know, be very mindful on. And then the fifth one, again, which isn't like severe, severe, but it's something I always ask is, are you having any issues with like morning headaches? Like if you're waking up with headaches on a consistent basis over and over and over again, Again, um, we definitely want to make sure sleep apnea is not a concern uh, for you because again that that's you know that is uh, definitely a risk factor especially if your body's going through these long periods of time where you know your oxygen level just isn't there hey dr. Tamika thank you for joining uh, dr. Tamika we're talking about sleep and apnea we went through the five uh, you know common signs that I like to ask especially in my patients um, for, for sleep apnea uh, so we talked about um, kind of we'll go through again with number one uh, really loud snores number two people who go through periods throughout the night and it could be 10 seconds 30 seconds whatever where they stop breathing where you look at them looking at the body and like nothing's moving uh, number two we talked about people who like choke like while they're sleeping or grasp for air while they're sleeping um, number three I don't know if that was three. Number four, we talked about morning headaches, a lot of morning headaches. Uh, number five, we talked about this excessive uh, fatigue uh, during the day. Oh, that, very good point. So narcolepsy, and nar that's a very good point because narcolepsy isn't a necessary due to the oxygen level. So uh, narcoleptic patients, um, they could have a great night's sleep. They could have no excessive fatigue. And then all of a sudden, boom, like they're, they're, they're out. Um, and it, it, that's more of a, a chemical imbalance, a neurological issue, more than the sleep apnea, where we're concerned more of an oxygen requirement or oxygen deficiency uh, in that point. But a very good question, um, because especially because when we talk about narcolepsy, when we talk about sleep apnea, um, there's definitely two different ways that we treat it. My narcoleptic patients, we actually give them stimulant medications to kind of keep them up. Like I have a few, I have a couple of patients in my practice with that. We actually give them medications to you know keep their mind you know, firing because it sometimes it, all it takes is that little low period and then they're out, they're sleeping. And then it can happen anywhere. They could be driving, they could be walking, they could be having anywhere and the problems arise. Um, but for sleep apneic patients, they tend to have like daytime fatigue where they're just kind of drowsy. They're just kind of just getting throughout the day. And again, these are the people who get a good night's sleep and it still doesn't seem to matter for them. So as an internist, why is it important to, you know, for me to even be worried about sleep apnea? Uh, because I, we know, especially from a medicine standpoint, that uh, if you have sleep apnea, like I have a much more difficult time getting you to lose weight. I have a much more difficult time uh, getting you to control your blood pressure. Much more difficult time getting you to control your diabetes. I know that if I don't do anything about your sleep apnea, you're at a more increased risk to get um, heart disease. You're at an increased risk to get seizures. Because again, seizures, especially if you're going through long periods of time when your oxygen levels um, aren't adequate, uh, you know, seizure risk uh, increases twofold. Um, 
irregular heart rhythms. Uh, again, if you're having, uh, you know, long periods of time throughout the night where your oxygen levels are, you know, not sufficient for your body's demand, um, your heart will actually go into an irregular rhythm. I think during residency, probably my most, um, uh, you know, poignant example, during residency, we had a, a patient who came in who had like a, a third degree heart block, which again, you don't really need to know what third degree heart block is, just know it's not a good heart rhythm. And, uh, while this patient was sleeping, because we're looking at him on the monitor, while this patient is sleeping, this person goes into this irregular heart rhythm. And we're like, oh, wow. Something's so we go to Randy, we think something's happening, and he's just asleep. And then we go to wake him up, and, you know, heart rhythm goes right back to normal. And this was happening, you know, repeatedly. So we end up having to put a pacemaker in him. So, again, you know, this isn't, an, this isn't a disease that's, you know, without, you know, risk factors. This is something, especially, you know, it kind of seems innocuous, but it is definitely something that, you know, we definitely want to make sure uh, that we're, you know, asking the questions. Um, we definitely want to make sure that we're being as diligent as possible because we know that the risk factors um, are there. Uh, from that standpoint. So again, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch base because I think we talked about, um, you know, sleep habits like a couple episodes ago. So I definitely wanted to kind of hit home sleep apnea, especially because I think um, um, if, if anyone is familiar in, uh, with worldstar.com, uh, worldstar hip hop, I think the website's called, uh, you know, one, one, the founder like actually died in his sleep. And, you know, they were concerned for, like, heart disease. But the second I saw, you know, second, I mean, I saw his body habitus because risk factors for sleep apnea. Um, one, if you're a male. Uh, so being a male puts you at a greater risk for having sleep apnea. Uh, two, being, you know, obese. So a BMI, I think, of over 35 is what the, the guidelines are saying now. So if you're obese, um, a greater risk factor. Again, not to say skinny people can't have it. I want to make sure we get that out of the way. Skinny people can definitely have sleep apnea. But you are at increased risk if you are obese. Um... Three, the age. Uh, so if you're, I think, over the age of 55, you had an increased risk for having sleep apnea. Again, this is regardless of weight and exercise and everything else from that standpoint there. And then uh, you're also your neck size. We, we, I don't, you know, I measure the neck size, especially when I'm concerned, but I usually kind of let my sleep medicine people do that because um, we know the neck size plays a, a risk factor as well as far as patients, you know, having sleep apnea. Does apnea run in families? It does not, um, because especially a lot of most of the most common form of apnea is obstructive in nature. Uh, so a lot of it is just a very anatom just anatomically, um, you know, if you're you know you're not blessed in that way, anatomically uh, you can have some restriction in the breathing. So it doesn't run in families, um, but what tends to run in families is those risk factors um, in terms of obesity, uh, large necks, uh, um, uh, male. So those that's where we kind of get that you know that family correlation but it doesn't necessarily run into families in that regards. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. If you want to find out more about the episode, please go to www.lunchlearnpod.com. That's www.lunchlearnpod.com for the show notes and any links that may have been mentioned in today's episode. If you're interested in joining the Lunch Learn Pod community, head over to either the website lunchlearnpod.com or join us on Facebook and Twitter with the same username, Lunch Learn Pod. And again, you can find uh, all of these links on uh, the website. If you have any questions, any comments, or any requests for uh, topics to you know debut on the show, please let that be known. And don't forget to use uh, the hashtag Lunch Learn Pod when you're listening to the episode. Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode, and I'll see you next week.